The information on this podcast is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All information contained on or related to this podcast is for general information purposes only. We're back in your ears, and today we're going to be talking about you, Chantel. We're talking about your flair that you're having right now. Yes, that amazing thing that happens to people with Crohn's and IBD. <laughs> you know, we have a flair. Yeah, we do. We have a live flair in the studio with us. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Lisa. And I'm Chantel, and this is Guts and Glory. So we were, uh, we've been talking a bit this week and, uh, a lot this week. Actually. Yeah. And I know you're going through something. I am. I'm having a hard time right now with my health, but, um, everybody who's listening and has IBD, I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir. Yeah. They know right? the drill. <laughs> Absolutely. About what a flare is. Um, but before we talk about the flare, I wanted to thank a pretty sweet organization. Okay. Remember we were talking about these yeah. ladies. I don't know um, if some of our listeners are aware, but there's an organization called 100 Women Who Care. Um, they also have an equivalent 100 Men Who Care. Um, and this organization kind of happens in many cities. So Uxbridge, uh, Brooklyn, Whippy, Oshawa, Aurora. So there's a lot of these organizations. So if you live in any of these areas in Ontario, I encourage you to look into these 100 women who care of your city or 100 men who care of your city. Now tell us a little bit about, because you were a guest. You were I was. As a guest of this organization, yeah. right? So as I've mentioned in previous episodes, I volunteer with Crohn's and Colitis Canada, specifically at the Durham chapter. Right. Um, and our Durham chapter was invited by the hundred women who care in Brooklyn, which is Brooklyn, a, Ontario, not Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York. Yeah, not Brooklyn, New York, um, was invited to, um, as they were actually nominated as one of their three charities of choice for this quarter of nominate nominations. Uh, so I was invited to their meeting on Wednesday. My criteria was to come with five minutes of a speech, uh, telling my story and letting them know if I were to win their money, if they chose our charity, what would we be doing with their money to give back to the local community? Oh, that's so cool. So, so cool. So you, you get this money from the community and then Whatever you whatever, whatever you, you do get, with the money, right. it has to go back into their community. Right. So raising awareness for your subject matter, whatever right. you came and pitched on, but you do it as a local event. So, of course, I went to 100 Women Who Care, Brooklyn. The better Brooklyn, by yeah, the way. All uh, the women are there. Shout out to Brooklyn, Ontario. Yes, and a huge thank you to the 100 Women Who Care of Brooklyn yes. because, you know, these ladies are absolutely fantastic. So I went, I did my little speech, um, and at the end of my speech, um, you know, the other two charities spoke, and at the end of the meeting, all the women in the audience who are donating their money, um, they vote. And I couldn't believe it, but Crohn's and Colitis, Durham chapter, won their money for this quarter. Well, I can believe it. You're quite a spokesperson, Chantal. So, of course, I'm there at the table bawling my eyes out because this only gives me the opportunity now. So they ask, like, what are you going to do with this money that we've now given to you? So it's usually anywhere between 4000 and 10000 depending on how many women are there. Right. Um, so our Durham chapter, uh, where our focus is going to be on um, having um, more educational events, so an education night where people with IBD can come out and we'll have professionals speaking about Crohn's disease. 
Um, and we want to have a newly diagnosed night. That's great. Because, like, that's super huge. Yeah, you, know? you need like, to find your community. Yeah, and you... like I said, when I was first diagnosed, they wrote it on a piece of paper and told me to Google it. You know, I need yeah. a little more information than this. Right. And we're going to have, um, we're looking to have a youth event so um, we can get children who have IBD and their caregivers together so that they can start forming their own support groups. Yeah. You know, um, because it's so crucial. Like it's one thing to be an adult and have IBD, but to be a child and yeah. have IBD. Yeah. So if we have any listeners in the Durham region, uh, please keep an eye out for this, or even in the Toronto region, Durham's not far. Keep an eye out for the events that we're going to have coming up. Um, and definitely, you know, if you're someone who wants to give back to your local community, a hundred women who care or a hundred men who care, you know, I've really truly discovered they're a fantastic group of people. Um, when we returned my partner, Daryl, he signed up right away for a local hundred men who care. You know, it's, it's a really creative way of crowdsourcing money because, I mean, not only do you get to hear about, I mean, if you're sitting in the audience, you you were telling me, you all they ask for you is four hours of your time and $400 a year. That's and it. for the for the for that time you get to hear pitches from different charities or different I mean I guess they're not just cha they're not just charities right they're local Yeah they're just people who are trying to give back to their community right. or trying to help like someone one um you know, a, a young boy was raising money for Habitat for Humanity. He right. wanted to build a house in Oshawa for an underprivileged family. That's amazing. You know, it, like I was so touched and to see how simple it was. Like they say four hours of your time for the whole year because they have four meetings a year and they're an hour each. And they say $100 because if you're going to be a member, you donate $100 at each meeting. Right. Like, and it's a tax write-off, everybody. Plus you get to meet people in your community. Yeah. You get to be part, you get to be in on the ground floor of some community event or some that's it. You know, like and when you see initiative. that event happening in your local town or city, you can say, like, I put money towards yeah, that. Yeah, I funded this. Yeah. I helped fund this. And I, something, Lisa, I wanted to tell you that was uh, overly emotional for me, I feel. In that room of, let's say, 60 women, when I was done speaking at the end of the night, I was approached by three different women who, in tears, came to hug me and had a personal connection. And, for example, one lady, um, she told me that her husband had just had surgery. Um, he has a, uh, an ostomy bag now. He had about a month ago. Wow. Um, another lady was very emotional. And I, I, at first I thought I had done something wrong <laughs> because she was so emotional. Um, but then when she started talking to us and letting us know, she was diagnosed with Crohn's disease 27 years ago. And I was the first person she has ever met with the same disease. Are you kidding me? And, Are you kidding me? Yeah, and that broke my heart because I never asked her. I never asked her why. She had never met anybody else who had Crohn's disease. But part of my reason, I attribute it to myself, why for the first four years of my diagnosis, I never knew anybody with IBD. Yeah. And it was because I was embarrassed and ashamed yeah. to admit I had this disease. That's what a lot of us go through. I, I mean, I was, you yeah. know I was diagnosed when I was 11. Yeah. And I had no, I, I didn't want anyone to know. I suffered for so long without... Yeah. You know, I was pale and put makeup over it. <laughs> and that's the part that broke my heart. Was and I that, didn't know anyone else with Crohn's. Yeah, and either. that's the part that broke my heart because I remember what it was like for those four years of my life to live in the dark yeah. and not even tell members of my family that I had this disease. Partially because I didn't know what it was, partially because I was embarrassed, you know, the stigma associated with yeah. it. Um, and my own ignorance of my disease. But it broke, my heart broke for this one woman who I could, I can see, you know, 
IBD is an emotional as well as a physical battle. And we all have to deal with that if you have IBD. And to see on her face, you know, what it meant to meet someone who also had the disease and was publicly talking about it. And she said, like, just a coincidence, like, I wasn't going to come tonight. And I did. So, and huh. of course, my dream would be to go and speak one day in front of a room full of people and have nobody tell me they have Crohn's or ulcerative yeah. colitis. But, you know, in that small room, three, Lisa, three. I couldn't believe it. That's amazing. I, well, the, you know, it's a much, the, the statistics with Crohn's and colitis are that it, it's something like one in nine people in Canada. One in every 150. One in every 150? Really? We'll be diagnosed. Oh, we'll be diagnosed. So, you know, we've got 230, upwards 240,000 people already in Canada diagnosed. Okay, so where did I get that one in nine statistic? That is that IBS or is that? It could be, I, the one in nine statistic could be the family like knowing somebody, like right. one in nine people will yeah. know somebody yeah. who has IBD. Which, which makes you think like it's shocking. really insane that she has yeah. never met anyone else. In 27 years, she's never met anyone with the same disease. If you're listening, <laughs> please uh, get in touch with us. If there's any chance that that woman is listening, please get in touch with us. We have yeah. resources for you. We can put you in touch with lots of people who can talk yeah. to you. And I, I think she's really going to reach out to our Durham chapter as well, which is fantastic. Amazing. And, um, well, you know, it's, it's interesting to think that, that she, there was something that compelled her to go to that yeah, meeting. But you know, if you're a listener and you're thinking I've had IBD for however long, maybe yeah. it's just a week, maybe it's 10 years. Um, I, I know it's not something you're open, you don't want to talk about these types of things, but I really do encourage everybody, and I know you do, Lisa, because we've been open about our disease, clearly, yeah. to, to tell people because there will always be, as terrible as that is, there's always going to be somebody who knows what you're talking about. Yeah, and, and the other thing is that just the act of telling and finding your community for a disease like this that weighs so much on you emotionally. It is. It's finding, a finding others who can relate to what you're going through is so crucial to, t to reducing some of your stress. Like, I honestly think my public speaking about my condition has made me stronger and has made me face this disease a lot more than any medication has ever for me. Which is a really nice segue back to you. Oh, yes. Uh, so before we lose 100 women and 100 men who care, please look for a chapter. Near you. Near you. That We were just Googling them, and they're everywhere. So. Yeah, and they give money to all different types of organizations. It, it's not, you know, not just IBD. It's yeah. everything. And if the idea sounds amazing to you and you don't have 100 women or 100 men who care, you start your own chapter. get in touch with these folks and start your own chapter. Yeah. It's amazing. Think of the good you'll be doing for your community. I, I As soon as I get home, I'm going to see what I can do in my area because I think that's phenomenal. I'm sure Thank Toronto you has again, them. again, 100 Women Who Care. Thank you Brooklyn. so much. Keep working hard. Let's talk about let's talk about you. My shitty time. The yeah, last your shitty two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so it's two weeks that you've been going through it. Yeah, I'm hitting the two week mark of this flare. Um, you know, talking about flares to our listeners. You've had a flare before, and if you're like me, no two flares have ever been the same, ever. I have yeah. never had a flare similar. I think it's interesting that you say that, because yeah. when I, I haven't had a flare for a while, but when I think back to it, that was always the weirdest thing, that I get some random symptom and think, what the heck, what's going on yeah. now? And then slowly Crohn's would kind of 
become more obvious in it. I always refer to it as like, am I getting Crohn's sick or normal people yeah, sick? Yeah, normal people sick. You know? Oh my God, I used to just crave a cold. Yeah. Oh my God, Can people I just with have cold a runny nose? <laughs> I so often wanted to call my Crohn's attack. Oh, I'm just having the flu. Cross my fingers and hope that's true. Yeah. Um, okay, so one of the things when I when I brought this up with you about talking about this with you, you did say to me, no two flares are the same. Mm. And I think that's really important to know. But I do think there are similar things that go on. Maybe let's just touch on the emotional thing that goes on first. I asked you, um, how do you know the difference between a flare is starting and this is just a bad day? Yeah. What, what for you so for me indicator. specifically, the difference between a bad, just a bad day, like I'm having a hard time, maybe I ate one of my trigger foods yesterday, one of my trigger ingredients, and I wasn't aware of it, versus shit. Yeah. Like, I think I'm getting sick. Crohn's sick. Um, one of my biggest indicators, because I have ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease, usually my flare starts out, usually starts out, by presenting itself as ulcerative colitis. Um, and one of my biggest side effects of ulcerative colitis, one of my biggest symptoms of ulcerative colitis is blood. Yeah. So when I go to the bathroom, if I notice there's a lot of blood in the toilet um, or even a small amount of blood in the toilet, that's usually the sh right away the straight indication for me that this is a flare, that this is not normal people sick right. <laughs> or this is not just a bad day. This is um, something's wrong. Right. I'm flaring. My inflammation is increasing. Um, the other symptoms I get, of course, like increased bathroom visits right. if I'm continuing to eat. So like my, you know, my stool starts to soften or go straight to diarrhea completely. Um, lots of pain. I have excessive amounts of pain when I'm flaring. Um, it's quite strong, actually. How are um, you doing right now? I'm, I'm okay. Um, as I said, I've got, I'm wearing the mic today instead of using our hanging mic yeah. for the simple fact that if... Um, when I have pain, getting up and moving helps to kind of ease it a bit yeah. when it, it kind of comes almost like contractions, really. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> so um, I'm okay right now, but of course I'm okay right now because I've taken myself off of solid foods. So for the last two weeks, I've made the choice to go to a liquid diet. Right. So lots of Ensure, lots of... Lots of Ensure, lots of soups, right. um, lots of applesauce. I'm applesauced out, you know. <laughs> You're applesaucy too. Yeah. Um, baby food. Yeah. Because it is quite high in nutrients. Um, now well, hundred babies gonna, can't be wrong. No, now hundred babies surveyed. Yeah, now Lisa, I'm going to be honest with you. In the last two weeks, I have not went to the hospital or um, have visited my GI. And to our listeners, I do not encourage you to, to be as stubborn as I am because that's not a good choice. But that it is. Uh, it is interesting. Do you, why do you not go? Um, stubbornness. Yeah. It's 100% stubbornness. Um, Hoping that actually, it will let me change end that. on its own. Yeah, let me change. It's 50% stubbornness, 50% fear. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Maybe 51% fear. What is it a fear of? Um, I don't want to go back in the hospital. Mm. I am not emotionally ready. I'm not emotionally prepared to go back to the hospital right now. And when was the last time you were in the hospital? The last like time the I was in the hospital was maybe like five months ago. So, and before Six that? Six months ago. 
Before that, I was in the hospital about eight months before that. Okay, so you get hospital fatigue. I just keep fatigue. going to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> I go to the hospital a lot, Lisa. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is my second home. So, yeah, but no, that's what it is. I don't, I'm not emotionally ready to go back to the hospital yeah. right now. Um, I think a lot of people can relate to that. Absolutely. When you're dealing with a chronic disease, you want to leave the hospital when you're there. Yeah. It's and, um, it must feel defeat. You must feel a defeat. You do. You do, um, and we shouldn't feel that way. No, you know, because no, we shouldn't. Hospitals. People say I hate hospitals. I hate hospitals. And you know, I used to be one of those people who said I hate hospitals all the time too. And then I took a step back and I thought to myself, and one of my friends actually said this to me, like Chantal, you shouldn't hate hospitals so much. You go into the hospitals when you are so sick, and when you leave, you're better. Yeah. Like how incredible is a place like that? But it's it's you're absolutely right. But you know? I, it's an emotional drain. It is to emotional be, drain. You fixed me. Oh gosh, I'm back and I'm broken again. And you know what else it is too? Like you go to the hospital and whenever I go to the hospital, I'm always in there for like minimum a week. Right. I'm there for a week. So that's a week out of your life. Sometimes three weeks, sometimes four weeks, sometimes longer. And then you come out and like your house is a mess. Yes. <laughs> you just have work to do when you, you get home. You have no groceries. You have to do the laundry. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. You got to go back to work. Like, and I'm a teacher, so now I'm like, all right, I've just spent three weeks in the hospital. Now I've got to make up for those three weeks of the year that I've been lost. Right. That I now have to teach all the kids that I've been, you know, all the things that they should have been learning the last three weeks that they didn't learn because I wasn't there. You know, so it's, it's, it's everything. It's very whole, stressful. Plus knowing, you know, your partner or your parents or, you know, if you have kids or whatever the case may be, like, they're going to have to spend that whole amount of time that you're in coming to see you every evening. Yeah. You tell them, don't, don't come, stay home. This is ridiculous. They're going to come. Yeah. You're being a pain in the ass for them too, or that's what you feel. You're not really being a pain in the ass because if you were in their position, you'd help out too. Yeah. But that guilt of I'm disrupting everyone else's life yeah. because I'm sick. Yeah. And, you know, I can see that, you know, I can see how much it weighs on you. It does. It, it, it's I, heavy. And I, I think about your job and I think about, um, you know, I'm, you've talked so many times about your kids and in your class. My and 240 how kids. Yeah, how they're so supportive. They understand and they're, they are. they're invested in your recovery, yeah. right? Um, but this this pressure, this piece of society stress yeah first of all know that people are not expecting you to be superhuman no they're not but you can't but you can't but you put take it on that yourself. off yourself yeah you yeah. put it on yourself you know and I, that that cannot make it easier to recover well, like i want that has to, to be, make the, the it's a vicious cycle it compounds the, the, the yeah discomfort you're feeling yeah right? you know like i love being a contributing member of society i love my job i love going and teaching my kids every day um and I don't want to miss that. Yeah. I, that's, that's my responsibility. My responsibility is to teach and to educate, whether it's spreading the news, you know, the word about IBD or teaching my grade seven and eight science. Um, I feel like my role is to educate. So when I get, when I, that role gets disrupted, it weighs on me yeah. quite heavily, yeah. you know, which of course goes back to making all my, my symptoms and my flare worse. Yeah. You know, everything yeah. I feel. Like it's a the vicious cycle. Yeah. So blood is one thing I experience um, because IBD is an inflammatory disease. Very often with my flares, um, 
my joints get very inflamed. So my fingers will get really inflamed. My knees get really inflamed, really bad back pain, um, probably because of the inflammation as well. Um, I get ulcers in my mouth, which is very um, common for people with Crohn's. Yeah. And I think our but last episode... Super awkward. Yeah, our last episode, I had ulcers in my mouth as well. Mm. And I remember the very first episode we ever recorded, my voice was a little bit different because I had ulcers in my esophagus at that time. Yeah. You know, so um, that's one of the things I've experienced. And over the years, because my disease has been so active since I was diagnosed 10 years ago, um, my eyesight for example, has uh, significantly diminished. I used to have perfect eyesight. Now I have two different types of prescriptions for glasses, actually. Now, is this is that Crohn's or is that uh, medicine? Does, is that you know compounded what? I can't by say medicine it's one or the in? other. I've never had a medication tell me that it could affect eyesight. But if you think about it, inflammation in the intestines means you're not absorbing the nutrients that right. you need to absorb in order for your body to be healthy. Um, you need nutrients to keep your eyesight strong, your teeth strong, yep. your bones strong, yeah. you know? So the reason why, like, I've got arthritis as well. I've, um, you know, I have arthritis, I have fibromyalgia. Arthritis, you, you, my bones are the way that they are. My calcium and my vitamin D intake is nowhere near, you know, a healthy human because my, my intestines aren't absorbing that food properly. Yeah. You know? So I... I do remember the overarching theme, the overarching memory I have of being sick, and I've said this to you many times before, is panic. Panic. The stress, panic. Oh. Like, what am I missing? What am I, who is depending on me right now? Yeah. What am I going to have to make up for? Of yeah. What time am I losing that like I'm going to have to get back? Like, have my students, like, you know caught the, the supply teacher on fire. Yeah. Like, oh what is going on in my yeah. classroom right now? Like, now let are me my ask desk going to be broken when I get back? <laughs> like, Now that you are reflecting on two weeks ago when you started flaring, mm. can you think of that time? And it, I'm not trying to be a private detective here or anything, but I'm just curious. Like, can you think of that time and think of the, anything that was weighing on you or was... Like what, what could have triggered my flare? Yeah, what was? Absolutely. So um, my flare, I think two things triggered my flare this time. Um, the first thing was our weather here in Ontario, okay. folks. Um, yeah, it's March, by the way. It's March. So I started flaring end of February. You know, we had one week where it was plus 16, plus 17. I and actually, it's coming back. Yeah. And, it's coming back. And two days later, it was minus 15. Yeah. So even a healthy human is not staying healthy right now because our body's going through such a serious influx of temperature. Yeah. Um, but I also, um, it was just a bad month for me. Like in terms bad in of what way? Stress. Like in terms of like personal stress, I was arguing with people who I loved a lot. Um, we were having a lot of arguments. You know, I was antsy about things. Um, my happiness was diminished a bit. Part of it was because we came out of January, which was the darkest month I think we've ever experienced here in Ontario. I think in, tw I think in like 28 days, we had 12 hours of full sunshine. Like yeah. something I read in some article and I'm like, what? Like, how do you function yeah. like this? You know, um, even family. Like my partner and my family, like we were arguing more than we should have been arguing. Um, and I was emotionally distraught by this external stress. Yeah. 
and I am a big, I know that my flares are typically not because of food. I think maybe in 10 years I've had one flare that was attributed to food. Um, my flares are very often attributed to um, change of season, but more importantly, stress. Right. I had also just came out of finishing writing report cards aye, for aye, 240 aye. Yeah. students. Um, oh, you know, so there was a lot. I, my mind was in a negative dark space. And part of that, that's my fault. You know, I allowed myself to stay there and I did not try to get out. You know, what you just said, I want to just bookmark that because uh, I, I think it's a normal part of the human condition to go through these things. Absolutely. But for somebody who deals with an intestinal disorder like you do, you can go through those things and have them, you know just completely blow up on you. Absolutely. And then and then the byproduct of, of it is the guilt. Like, why did I let myself get to this well, place? Why did I? But it's life, you know? You it's know, just sitting here today, living. I how could, do you avoid I that? I could admit to you that two weeks ago I had a hard time. Well, I'll be sending and, you my bill You later. know, and yeah. a week, but if you asked me a week ago, I wouldn't have been in a position to admit that to you. That's why I'm going to send you a bill later for yeah, this okay. because, All right. you know, this is a professional service. Can I pay in box of chocolates? Yes. Okay. Yeah. You I must have, have all, a lot have, of those. I have a lot of boxes yeah. of chocolates, actually. <laughs> um, love my students. Thank you, everyone. Um, but uh, sixes of insurer would probably be better. And not okay for me, yeah. so <laughs> oh. I'll send them All right. to I'll you. Just in large happy quantities. to help in any way I can. <laughs> Might want to empty an entire cupboard. Okay. Done. I already have my dream empty chocolate covered. Rating, for the just rating. But no, out. I definitely a week ago, I wouldn't have been comfortable enough to admit. I would have been able to say that I was under a lot of stress and I yeah. was arguing with people and, you know, it just wasn't a happy time. But I wouldn't have been okay to say I let myself stay there. Yeah. It's not until I've been suffering for two weeks, drinking right. liquids, losing yeah. weight here and there, that I am now saying to myself, like Chantal, you could have, you maybe I couldn't have avoided. You this. might not have. You know, been able maybe to. maybe the flare would have come and I couldn't have controlled it, um, but I truly believe I didn't make it any better. So these are the moments when somebody with a chronic disease. This is this is what I think. Um, I know this is a, a weird way to say it, but this is what I think is the benefit, maybe, or the plus side of having dealing with a chronic disease. Mm. You have these opportunities to reflect. I'm so sorry if that sounds like I'm bright-siding something that has no bright side, but as somebody who has suffered for 30 years plus, it's, it is the one takeaway that I have yeah. is that I have been able to identify upcoming stress or situations that I don't yeah. need to put myself in and do my best to sidestep them. And sometimes I feel like I'm letting people down when I do that. I, do, I, I will just say that I have had a... Um, I've had a friendship blow up since I saw you last. Mm. And I know that the reason that it blew up was this person is just this. She, I like to describe it this way. She vibrates at a level that I cannot access, you, you know, like there. she's just too, too mile much. a minute. It's just too stressful for me. And I stepped out of that friendship and maybe I didn't do it in the best way, but my energy now, my excess energy is for my child. Yeah. And myself. So if I can't, if I'm not giving it to her, I give it to myself and I don't have room for 
anybody else to take that away It's interesting that, that you me. say that, Lisa, because I have actually lost many friends yeah. because of whether it's their expectation or their vibration, their energy that yeah. they put out. Um, and then because I can't be at that level, it's caused issues between the two of us. So yeah. it hasn't been an understanding of, I get it, Chantal, you need to be at this level. It's been, well, if you can't be here, then that's it. Yes, and that's the situation I ran into. So, you know, And you know what? I've met people like this. I've met people who have divorced mm -hmm. because of this, yeah. because of the different level of energy. And I actually, I have found, after 10 years, I have no problem now. I have no problem with either I choose to cut you out or you cut me out. Yeah. I don't really care. Yeah. Because I have I'm on this path of positivity and if at any point I start to sway another way because of my choice or someone else's, it's out. Yeah. You're out, put me out, I don't care, yeah. but we're I wish you all the best. I respect you. I I I hope your life is fulfilling and healthy and happy, um, but it's just not going to include me. So in that <laughs> way, your your disease, your condition, kind of becomes your teacher, right? You know what? I've every people who I've met with IBD and who have really kind of shed that weight of feeling ashamed to have the disease, but who have openly spoke about it. They are the most self-aware mm -hmm. people I've yeah. ever met, and I agree with you. If like I had said, if someone had said to me, you know, Chantel, if you had the opportunity not to be diagnosed with Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, would you take it? And I was asked in front of like thousands of people and I didn't even stop to consider it. I said, no, because I have a purpose and my purpose is to educate people. And I have this disease because I'm not afraid to talk about it and I'm here to educate people. I think I'm strong enough to take these flares. Sometimes I'm not but I eventually get to the moment when I'm like, all right, yeah. it's time to get better. Emotionally, mentally, physically, whatever the case may be. So I would never take away this opportunity because I am a 100% better person today than I think I would have been if I wasn't diagnosed 10 years ago. I, I feel exactly the same. I, yeah. I look at the path I was on, you know, and grant, I mean, I've, I've pursued, I was diagnosed when I was a kid, so there were things that I really wanted I, things I wanted experience. to do, and when I got there or I got close to it, I, my, I would start to flare, I would start to have a prolonged attack, and I really have to examine the conditions yeah. that were leading up to it and identify the problems. I, I credit that with this long period of remission that I've had because... Not going one for that. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah it could come back at any yeah. time. But I, I do just want to say if you are listening and you suffer from any of that guilt association about, you know, what you're First doing all, to the people in your life, you're not alone. There's a normal feeling. And you're the most important person in the world. Yeah. You got to just take care of yourself and the rest. I mean, you can testify to this, right? Absolutely. The rest does take care of itself. Yeah. It doesn't, the world doesn't stop because and you have a And this is the flare. best thing about it as well. You know, once you, once I started taking care of me, I started realizing that the people that I'm surrounded with and the people that are in my corner are the best people on the damn planet. Yeah. Because my strength and my positivity only attracted other 
such amazing, strong pillar people of strength and positivity. So it, it was like 180 degrees of what my life was and what my life is now. You so know, is there, I radiated the energy yeah. and everybody and else. And you brought those people to yeah, you. And yeah. they gave me their energy. And like, I am so fortunate. I am such a fortunate person. Now, don't get me wrong. Has IBD stolen many moments of my life and many opportunities of my life? Damn right it has. It has taken things away from me that I can never, ever get back. Yeah. Um, but it has also given me a lot. And I can't, I can't ignore that. I love you. I love you. I think it's amazing <laughs> the way you, like, and you are a champ. You just get out there and, and I think Raise all of awareness. us IBD warriors are champions. I call, I refer to our community as IBD warriors because I really feel that's what it is. We are warriors. Yeah. We are warriors of a disease that's raging against our very own body. We are warriors of, you know, in a war zone that we can't escape. Yeah, yeah, true. You know, and we are fantastic. So now that you are two weeks into a flare. Mm. Are you feeling any turning point? Are, where do you think you're going? Do you think you're getting better? Do you think you're getting worse? Are you Yeah, I emotionally stasis? feel better, which to me is a great turning point because if I start emotionally feeling better during a flare, um, that usually means my physical self will follow suit shortly behind. Um, in terms of like my blood loss, um, it's, it's the same. However, I am on a liquid diet. So I'm, I've put myself, my bowels are, you know, they call it in the hospital, you, um, you need bowel rest. You need to put your bowels at rest. So if I'm having liquids, there's not a lot passing through my right, small, large right. intestine. So the blood has subsided a bit. Maybe that's because I'm getting better. The inflammation is subsiding, or maybe that's because there's nothing going through it to make it bleed. Um, my pain is definitely significantly better than what it was last week. Um, but again, I'm on, a li I'm on liquids yeah. and I have been now for quite some time. I'm not ready to start eating anything majorly solid right now. Like I'll have, you know, a little bit of maybe mashed potatoes here or there, an egg here or there, but I'm not eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner solids. Right. You know, I, because I'm working, I'm still working, I'm going to work. I told all my kids, they ask me every day, Miss Wicks, How's your Crohn's? Are you better? That's so they, good. They're just waiting for me to be better. Like I'm right. gonna come in one day and be like, guess what guys? It's magically it's gone. <laughs> it doesn't work that way, but that's okay. Bless their hearts for you know yeah. asking every day. Um, but I, I am feeling emotionally better. So I am looking forward to starting to feel physically better soon. So now this is putting the cart before the horse, mm -hmm. but when you do make that turn and you feel, okay, this is substantial recovery. How do you start reintroducing? How do you start Starting, reintroducing? Great question. Solids. Because this is a question I actually asked one of the first people I met with IBD because I was like, when I'm in the hospital, I'm on IV. And, they, and then they moved me from IV to a liquid diet. Right. And then from a liquid diet, they started introducing other foods to me. And then I said, how do I do it on my own? Like when I'm at home. So for me, I obviously, of course, avoid my trigger foods. For me, when I do start eating, it's, it's a lot of um, very plain. So yeah. if you're going to start eating, for my, my suggestion would be, you know, don't have stuff that has multiple ingredients because then if you don't feel well, you don't know what it was that made you sick. Right. So mashed potatoes or potatoes of any kind, actually, uh, potato chips 
if you, when I've been in the hospital and I've lost a lot of weight, I've actually had nurses give me bags of potato chips because they're quite easy to digest and they're quite fatty. So it helps you to put back on that weight that your body needs. Your body right. needs that fat. Yeah, because needs, you need to be able to lose it. Yeah, because it's been <laughs> yeah. eating all of yeah. like your body while you've been in hospital. So I'm really big with potatoes, any type of potatoes really. Usually mashed potatoes are like roasted. I buy those little round potatoes oh, yeah, and I cut I them up those. and roast them. Oh God, so good. Um, also like scrambled eggs. Yeah. I, I do all right with scrambled eggs. Toast, like white toast. Butter um, on the toast? Sometimes butter, you know, I've tried a Show little, it the butter? If you, like hold it over the butter? And yeah, just kind of, here's the butter. That's butter. A little bit of peanut butter I've used in mm -hmm. the past. Um, when And then when I start getting a little bit better, like I'll be having soups, I'll introduce a soup that's a bit thicker that might have, you know, bigger chunks of chicken or, you know, more noodles. And because they're soft right. or vegetables, right. it's not so bad. And then from there, I use my first meat that I go back to, if you're IBD with and you're a meat eater, is chicken. Um, very easy. Very, just chicken breast yeah. baked in the oven. Um, very plain, maybe a little bit of pepper, a little bit of salt. And then I just, I eat small portions of that. Right. I never eat a whole chicken breast in my first sitting. Um, but that's how I start. But I definitely avoid things like lettuce yeah. and spinach because that stuff doesn't break it down doesn't in your intestines. So, so how long, that. so like, okay, so you've reintroduced this food. How do you know, okay, I'm good. I'm going to take it to the next level. So it's, so for anybody who's been on like prednisone, for example, you know that when you take, and I'm sure anyone who's ever had a bad flare with IBD, you've been on prednisone. It's a common drug. Yeah. It's the um, fun drug, we call it. Yeah. Coming off <laughs> prednisone, you can't just come off of it. Right. Like you don't just take it for 10 days and then you stop. You have to wean off of it. You have to it. wean off. And I kind of approach my take, eating solid foods the same way. I wean into it. So I'll try the potatoes and the scrambled eggs and the plain bread and maybe a little bit of chicken breast for like a week. And if after a week I've noticed that, okay, this isn't so bad, I'll either increase the amount I was eating, so a little bit more chicken, a little bit more potato, or I'll introduce something new for the next week. So I think that's the hardest thing for people to understand when you have a flare, because they think you go into the hospital, you have all these things, then you come out, you're better. Yeah. And you're not. No. Like, you're just this over flare, the hump. You're just over the hump. So like this flare, you know, of two weeks. So let's say like within the next week, I'll start introducing foods, hopefully, provided everything goes well. It'll be another two months, if I'm lucky, before I'm back to eating the way that I was eating two weeks ago. You know? Yeah. Like that's a, that's a three-month turnaround, and, and I haven't even been hospitalized and this time. And that is the thing I, one of the things I really remember being important to me was I wanted to get back to a normal diet so quickly so I could feel normal again. I mean, it would just be top of mind. So when I do eat my first full chicken breast, yes. Lisa, I'm going to uh, take a picture. Okay. And send it to you. I got my phone. And we'll celebrate together. Yes. <laughs> I will have my phone on me all the time. Even feel free to text me in the middle of the night with that picture. But until then, it will be potatoes and crackers. I'll just picture you with your bag of potato chips. And crackers. I love crackers when I'm <laughs> ill. Yeah? Yeah. Do you like, is there a particular cracker you want to give plus, a shout out to? The Premium Plus Square. Big ups, Premium Plus. <laughs> crackers. Salted. <laughs> oh, yeah, because the unsalted ones, I mean, no. what are you even doing? Yeah. All right, well, all the best, Chantel. I Thank mean, you. If, so, this is, it's truly uh, an example of what someone with an invisible disease looks like because, as usual, you have you're no beautiful idea. and sparkly. Thank and you. And you 
look like someone in the peak of health and I know you're struggling. So thanks yeah. for talking about it. And to our IBD listeners right now, if you are flaring and you are lying in your bed listening to us, um, listening to this podcast, please know that I am thinking of you and Lisa is thinking of you and we are with you 100% of the way and try to turn your emotional, mental part around and hopefully you'll see a physical change as well. Yeah, you don't have to take on everybody's problems. No. You don't have to worry about the priorities of the world. You are the most important person right now. Absolutely. Take care of yourself. Strength and positive thoughts. Take care, everybody.